on RSN 927, the Racing and Sports Rundown. And good morning and welcome to week two of the Racing and Sports Rundown. Very pleased that we've been invited back after last week. We must have done something right. It was fantastic to have a good talk about a big weekend of racing last week. But this week... It's even bigger from a racing point of view. Not only are we previewing a couple of Group 1s, we've got a Group 1 to review. We'll have a good look at the Moyer Stakes. And it's not just about racing this week. We're also going to have a chat about the AFL Grand Final. Adam Blanco and Simon Donopoulos will be joining me. Adam Blanco, he is our AFL man. He's our Melbourne man. And with that comes the tag of being our AFL man. Now, anyone that follows Adam on Twitter will know that he's a diehard Tigers man. I'm not sure of the level of interest that he has in this year's AFL Grand Final, but I'm sure he'll be having some sort of look at it a little bit later on. Welcome to the program, Adam. I have a keen interest in getting Geelong beaten, Brad. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) Of course you do. We'll have a good chat about the Grand Final uh, a little bit later on in the show, but... As a racing and sports fan, and when I say racing and sports, I don't mean the business we work for. I mean just in general. I'm a fan the, of them as well. Yeah, this this <laughs> is the best month of the year, September, and this is the biggest weekend of the year. It's hard not to be excited, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. It's a um, it's a big one. Three straight days of Group One racing. It probably culminates with the absolute pick of them as well in in the Underwood and, and obviously throw in the AFL Grand Final and barbecues and parties for that. It's a uh, it's a good weekend to be around. Absolutely. I'm sure it's a big weekend up in uh, New South Wales as well. Simon Donopoulos is our Sydney form expert. He's got the NRL to hone in on, and I reckon he'd be all over the the Swans down here today because there's a little bit of hashtag SF, the Sydney form, taking on some provincial <laughs> form. The Geelong Cats down here in Melbourne at the MCG today, Simon. Yeah, all the talk about the grand final, it's next week. I'm not sure what everyone's <laughs> going on about today, but yeah, no, hopefully, uh, I've got a few friends who are massive Swans fans, so hopefully they can get it done. Yeah, well, we're going to get you to, uh, you got uh, a little bit tougher task than Adam and I. We've only got to pick one winner in the footy this week. You've got to pick two. You've got to pick the winner of the second prelim and also the grand final next week, so you have a good think about that. But what we're going to do off the top is review last night's Moya Stakes. It was. Well, it's always a, a very interesting race because it's a thousand metre scamper. There aren't many of these thousand metre group ones on the calendar here in Australia, and this was a very, very important one for Cool and Gatta. She, she would have been, she was a valuable filly as it was, being a daughter of Written Tycoon, who got up and going nice and early. But she picked up seven hundred grand first prize last night. And she might have also tacked on probably a million, a million and a half when she does go through a broodmare sale once her racing days are done. So it was an important victory, Adam. What did you make of it uh, from an assessor's point of view? Yeah, it was in line with with what we've come to expect from the modern Moya, if you like. It's not a, um, of course, it's not a black caviar or a buffering or, or even an extreme choice sort of win, but it's a very much in line with what we've seen in, in recent times. So um, what she will do is she'll leapfrog in secret and throws the... It has a bit of a scene-setting feel about it for, for today. She leapfrogs in secret as the the number one seed amongst the three-year-old fillies at the moment, so over to in secret the, this afternoon. And she also gives a, a little boost, if you like, to the, the golden slipper form back there, which was um, Fireburn, and, and she's obviously off to the the golden rose today as well with that golden super form looking um very hard to know what to, to make of it so that's probably the the big conundrum for for punters but it's a nice little push for it all the same the track certainly had something to do with with how things went there last night but um 
She's still run to... I think she'll run... haven't fully assessed it and, and not complete, but she'll run somewhere between 116 and 17, which, as I said, is is pretty fitting in line with, with recent trends. It's um, it's very hard not to sort of lean back towards She Will Rain beating Vidora and looking at Gadda beating Bella Nipotina and thinking that that's a very like-for-like sort of situation. Gadda She Will Rain, that, that feels about right. And Bella Nipotina, Vidora feels about right as well. It's interesting, I was looking at that, and She Will Rain skipped off to the Everest. I, every time a horse wins a sprint these days, we hear, well, that's, you know, are they off to the Everest? And we heard that last night, of course, with, with Cool and Gadda, and my first thought was, surely not, you must be kidding, but there are half a dozen slots, and, you know, they need horses for those slots, and I was looking at it, and She Will Rain lobbed up in the Everest off, off winning the Moya here, as I said, very similar sort of scenario, if, if you ask me, and she actually started second pick in the Everest and started in front of Chautauqua, English, and Redzel in the betting, so... Hindsight's twenty twenty. That looks absolutely bonkers now, but perhaps that hints that there is a place for Cool and Gadda at the the pointy end of betting in an Everest. This is probably one for both of you guys. You, you mentioned the the track. It, it was definitely an advantage to be on the fence and, and preferably right up right at the head of the speed where Cool and Gadda was. When you're doing your ratings, what sort of um, impact and um, weight do you put on a role that the track might have played in the result of the race? Uh, it's going to reduce the amount of meaningful data points that you can lean on and, and sort of the more data points you can lean on, the as the data points go up, uncertainty you know goes down, I suppose, is the, the sort of rule of thumb there. So you sort of rate it with a little bit more uncertainty, but it, you don't change anything. You don't make allowances for it or anything like that. So there'll be horses in that field who obviously ran below their form or further from their, their previous ratings or further from expectation than perhaps they might have had, had things been racing a little bit differently on the night. And I think there probably was a, a measurable effect there. I think, you know, most people could could probably see that. And at a quick glance, it does look like you can sort of find some sort of measurable effect there from the, you know, from being on the fence there last night at, at the Valley. There was a bit of a monorail going on, if, if you like. So um, I wouldn't be slowing down winners as much as I'd be forgiving losers. I think that's that's the way to play those scenarios. 100%. I reckon Bella Nipotina was clearly the run of the race. You buying anything out of the Moyer stakes, Simon? No, no, I don't think uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that form's going to be doing anything in the big sort of feature sprints that we'll be looking towards later in the carnival. All right, well, but it was interesting because Adam mentioned on the podcast on Friday, no McEwen Stakes winner has won the Moya from, and so that continued that trend. But obviously, Coolangatta came through that race, but is that that's the first to do it, isn't it, Adam? Through that race, the lead up. Uh, I must admit, I might have made that sound grander than it was. I think I only went back a dozen years. But <laughs> Well, these, these Mooney Valley sprints, they have chopped and changed. Like the Moya used to be 1,200 yeah. metres, used to be run Cox Plate weekend. So there's been a... And the, the Manicato is the same. Over the last 30 years, it's had about five different time slots. So sometimes yep. the, the pathways don't necessarily measure up. Before we do move on to the Golden Rose, just quickly, one out of the support card, uh, Simon, that I think is worthwhile talking about is Tijuana, who won the Stutt Stakes and probably enhanced his Caulfield Guineas claims uh, with that uh, impressive victory. What did you make of that, and what, where does he fit in now as a Guineas player? Well, Adam mentioned it on Friday. We talk about spring-shaping race, races. It's certainly one, and the Golden Rose, I think, is going to be the bigger one this afternoon. It's the fork in the road for horses in Sydney. They either drop back in trip for the Coolmore or press onto that Caulfield Guineas, and horses coming from Sydney down to Melbourne have a really good record in the Guineas, but whether Godolphin are going to press on with Golden Mile or leave it to Af Cabin. So 
The Melbourne contingent certainly looks a lot stronger than I would say in recent years or in comparison to what Sydney's likely to bring down. And so I think it's got as good a chance as any now heading towards that Guineas. I'll disagree with that. <laughs> Come on, this is what we like. T- we like you guys Are disagreeing. Are we talking Come on. I mean, you don't like Tijuana? No. No, no, that was, that was pretty ordinary last night and the Sydney Colts will just beat the living hell out of them. Ah, good. Got exactly what I wanted you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Virtuous Circle might be a, you know, he could go to a Vars and then a Derby and, and they get very slow when you get to the Derby, but... Um, Tijuana, Fajita-san, I, we're, I mean, they're going to have to leap lengths and lengths and lengths to get up to what would normally win. I probably have to concede the Caulfield Guineas doesn't look like it's going to take as much winning as it does in a typical year. So maybe we, maybe I need to set the bar lower. I'm looking for horses to get to a typical Caulfield Guinea standard. They're nowhere near it. Um, maybe I lower the bar and, and give them a fluke as hope. But even if I lower the bar, it's a fluke as hope. The Sydney Col- like if Golden Mile comes down, he'll just kick the snot out of them. Rightio, that's a, that's a very good uh, segue then that we move on to the Golden Rose. Let's, ha- <laughs> let's have a chat about that and these good horses that you want to um, potentially get involved in in the, uh, the Guinea. Simon, how are we assessing the Golden Rose? I, I was, um, it was good having a chat to you earlier in the week. Um, it was very educational from a point of view in regards to Philly's record in this race. If you just look at it on raw stats, it looks horrible. The 23 have run and none have won, but... When you put it into perspective and when you have a really good look at this year's race and the fillies involved and the ratings that they all bring in, this is probably as good a chance as they've ever had of winning one. Yeah, for sure, Brad. So 23 have tried since upgraded uh, to Group 1 status in 2009. None have won. Uh, a couple of runs second. But the market only expected two winners during that time, so not running too much into it. I think for me, uh, Adam, similarly with the Caulfield Guineas, has a high bar for it. Um, I do for the Golden Rose. I think it's one of the best races every year. And this is the worst Golden Rose uh, we've seen since it was upgraded to Group 1 status in 2009. Golden Mole's a nice horse, uh, but he's single figures. He'd be 50s if he lined up in Bivouac's Golden Rose. So Inseeker's not going to get a better chance uh, to win the Golden Rose. She doesn't have any top-end Colts to beat, or certainly not top-end at this stage. Usually the top-end Colts already rated in the 120s, and at the moment they're mid-teens. So she's going to get her best chance inside draw, James McDonald, and looking at the run to the Rose, Golden Rose, which I think is the biggest pointer for her being very hard to beat this afternoon, five of 11 have completed the double, and I'd be very confident Rothfire would have made it six had he not broken down. So the record of run to the Rose for Golden Rose is fantastic. And only Bivouac has won the run to the Rose by further uh, than in secret in the lead-up. And just looking at the SPs of those horses, Animo was odds-on last year, Rothfire was $1.53, Bivouac was two fifty, and Minari was two twenty-five. And around two eighty bet this morning, I've marked her even money. My only concern was the possibility of a wet track. And Rose Hills missed all the rain this week, or racing on a soft five. She's going to get every possible from that draw, I think. Jackano's interesting, but he's still got to make a massive jump to get to where In Secret is. And Golden Mile, interesting to see, Adam, he obviously got no respect for the Astern down in Melbourne, our cabin. I think we've only got a pound between them, so no respect for him now. But I think he doesn't have, uh, I guess, the sharpness of the filly. I think he'll go down to the Caulfield Guineas and be hard to beat if they do go that way. But I think In Secret will win this afternoon, and I think she will be racing in the Everest for Godolphin. I should um, 
I should just leap in and say I uh, I was talking mostly the stud horses when I said <laughs> Golden Mile ago and White the Floor. F Cabin would be F Cabin would be some sort of race for him, I suppose. Although I probably lean to Golden Mile. I think he's a really nice horse, Golden Mile, but I tend to agree. I don't think he or Jackano, you know, they've got little chances here, but they they don't look generously priced to me. And I think the whole race hinges around, as you say, in secrets the clear cut current form horse and. It's just about how much weight do you put on last start, which is obviously the most relevant, but also the most bet start, and, and how much do you lean back and, and look back towards the, the two fillies who were as good as in secret at, at two, and as I said earlier, Cool and Gatter and even Best of Bordeaux running second in the in the run to the Rose and, and Jack and Owen, Sweet Ride. We've seen the, the Golden Slipper form hold up pretty well, so I'm really confident that Fireburn's rating from that day, which is the best rating I can see in this race even a little bit better than in secrets is um is really solid it's just that it was six months ago and it was on a swamp so um i think that's the betting conundrum isn't it yeah and barrier 16 that's the biggest concern for fireburn i think had she drawn middle i would have given her a chance but if she's going to go right back to last she's going to need every bit of that two-year-old rating to run them down yeah no that's probably true and the other point i think that is absolutely worth making is that you liked Tommy Berry and Anthony Cummings last week with Stray. <laughs> Tommy gave Stray a sore back, and now he gets onto She's Extreme, and you're right into one, and I know how the racing gods work. So She's Extreme gets a massive bump for that factor, doesn't she? Yeah, well, she was completely inconclusive first up. The issue with She's Extreme is she's got swamp form as well. So mm. that is the conundrum for her. Is she going to be better on a soft track? Everyone likes to think horses will be better on a soft track, but... You go back through that autumn form and nearly all the horses that were at, towards the top of, you know, proceedings and betting and finishing positions, they've come back and their form has fallen off a cliff. So it's very interesting to see what she's extreme does today. She, we lost the map horse. Best of Bordeaux was going to be our leader. So it's kind of interesting to see how it plays out early. I don't see a lot of pressure in this race. So she's extreme can take up a far more prominent role uh, than what she did first up. And this has obviously been the main target for her coming back this time in so you'd like to see her do something she's going to get a chance whereas i'm not sure fireburn is going to get a chance so is that enough for you to uh so i think we both would agree that fireburn was the slightly better but genuinely better filly at two and probably still is the better filly but are we are we saying the map there 16 and 6 is that enough for us to say that she's extreme is the better chance today than fireburn yeah i i mean you go through the stats selling last at Rose Hill over 1,400, which I think where Fireburn's going to be, maybe a couple ahead of that, as opposed to where She's Extreme's going to be. We've seen them race, obviously, in the Champagne when She's Extreme had the favours on speed and she beat her, so now she's going to have far more of an advantage Mm. on the map. That's assuming the map plays out how we expect. You can do all this speed maps and all this work, and then all of a sudden, Brendan Valor bounces her out from that outside draw and she settles midfield, and it's a completely different scenario. So... You don't want to get too bogged down with speed maps because you're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Does Brenton listen to RSN? I hope so. <laughs> Brenton, if you're listening, bounce her out. <laughs> Have a crack, Brenton. Fireburn. So she is a $9 chance. In secret, she's just tightened into $2.30. This has literally happened in the last five minutes or so. She was two fifty when we started the Golden Mile chat. I'm not sure whether this is all to do with Simon's uh, the growing are rattling their Milo synopsis <laughs> of the Phillies' chances here. But that, that, if she starts that price, she'll be the shortest price Philly to ever run in this race. Nikita at two fifty uh, had been the shortest before that. Um, 
Bring Me the Maid started $3.50. That's the next shortest. Um, and there's only a, been a couple others that have started single-figure odds. So it um, they do definitely get their best chance. Um, we might move on now because we've still got the Underwood to have a chat about. We've got the footy to talk about. Any other points of interest? Hopefully we've given everyone a lead to the Golden Rose, which is the main race up in Sydney. We're going to head off to a break now. On the other side of that, we'll have a good look at the Underwood Stakes tomorrow at Sandown. On RSN 927, the Racing and Sports Rundown. And now we are going to turn our attention to Sandown tomorrow because the Group 1 Fest just rolls on. We've got a... Well, you you guys uh, had a bit of a laugh at the Mini Everest call last week with the the shorts. (laughs) How many times have we heard this referred to as a small but select field? (laughs) Yeah, drink. <laughs> a good drinking game. <laughs> it certainly qualifies as a small but select field, though. Uh, we've only got the six to go around, uh, but three of them are right towards the head of betting in the Cox Plate. Uh, it's a fantastic preview for that, and we're going to get a really good test because Zaki's been at the top level for a couple of seasons now, and I'm Thunderstruck and Mr. Bright, so they have been climbing the ladder, but this is where we're going to get a real good test of where they fit in. Yeah, so you say, you know, three at the the pointy end of Cox Plate betting and four at the pointy end of the sort of Australian turf, if you like. We've got Animo, he'll be sitting at home icing himself up after after last week, and I think everyone would agree Animo is the number one seed in, in the middle distance ranks in Australia at the moment, but here we've got third, fifth, sixth and tenth, so, and if you strip out the sprinters, we're pretty much missing no one, but think it over, who's sadly on the sidelines, and, and probably Montefilia and, and Duace, but... Got four of these rated ahead of her, so I'm thunderstruck being the pick of them on 2022 ratings. Anyway, so um, it's a really big chance for him to back up that win in the Craigley, and it's a you know punting aside, which is not a phrase I'm particularly comfortable with, but punting aside, it's a, a really good and meaningful race, and I think we'll hear plenty of small and select feel, but I think it's a real spring shaper as well. So we've got you know horses who are ready to. Um, step up and, and sort of become the number one contender, the, the challenger, if you like, to the, the champ, Animo. Champ's probably being a bit generous to Animo, but he fills that spot at the moment, I suppose. He's holding the belt. Simon, how'd you assess the uh, the Underwood down there tomorrow? You had, had a good look at that? Yeah, I have had a look at that, Zach. It's funny, I... Maybe I've got my blinkers on with this, but I thought I'm Thunderstruck put up the best performance we've seen when winning uh, the Craigley, away from Nature Strip, obviously, the sprinters. The best form that we've seen at a mile and looking towards that. And Zaki, I didn't really make much of his win up in Sydney. I know time worked out and Ice Bath has since ran well in the George Main behind Animo, so you can draw your straight lines. But I thought the Melbourne people would have just marked Thunderstruck favourite there to beat Zaki. And I just don't think Annabelle should be rewarded for ducking Animo last week, so I'll certainly be cheering <laughs> on Thunderstruck. Well, it might happen because I've listened to a few previews. Um, some very good judges are quite surprised at the price that was put up about I'm Thunderstruck, and I see that he has tightened up. And he's got a ever-growing fan club down here in Melbourne, so I wouldn't be surprised if that does change come jump time tomorrow. But he hasn't done a whole lot wrong down here, has he? Zaki, we can probably point to the Caulfield Stakes, but outside that, the only other thing he's really done wrong is got sick on Cox Plate Eve. Yeah, I think the problem with Zaki is Adam's been after him for what 18 months and he still fronts up it's been a uh, it's been a tough 18 months for Zaki haters but um we keep going and we've got a nice I, 
agree with the sharps you've been listening to, Brad. I think Thunderstruck has a, a lovely chance to knock him off there tomorrow and, and back up what he did last time. I think he answered a question last start. I think he was he went from really good handicapper who might to um, genuine wait for age horse to real alligator blood in when he gave a kick like he did and, and in that sort of scenario was a, a massive win and, and not only was it the best rating of his career to date, it was a, a big rating that promised even more. So if he can do that, he'll he'll stitch Zaki up, I, I would say. It would take the very best of Zaki to, to beat him. And, yeah, I probably have a higher opinion of what Zaki did in the tramway than, than what Simo seems to, but he didn't do anything that he hasn't done in the past. I suppose that's the, the point. Zaki's not getting any faster. He might not be getting any slower either, but Thunderstruck and Mr Brightside are, are getting faster. And Mr Brightside's actually... I don't think he's he's hopeless here either. Of course, he's not. The, you know, the betting will tell you that he's not hopeless here either. But um, it's not just a match race. He was behind them in the All Star Mile, which is obviously a, a pretty key piece of form. Thunderstruck was closing Zaki down, but we're saying Thunderstruck's bigger, better, stronger, faster now. And, and Mr. Brightside's probably the same. He's gone right on with that Doncaster win. He's his win last time. He absolutely thrashed them, and he and he did it running away. So there's you know there's a little hint there that maybe he's ready to go to another level as well. So I think he's I think Mr. Brightside's probably at the same point now that that Thunderstruck was at two weeks ago, where he's got to decide: okay, am I going to step up and be be part of this sort of cox plate push, or am, am I not quite that good? So yeah, big big day for for Mr. Brightside as well. I think. Alligator blood. Probably most people are conceding he's the leader and that he'll be run down. But gee, he was good last start, and if he, you know, he's good enough if he can slip down that hill. He's um, he showed last start he can make thunder stretch his neck all the way. So, you know, he had some interest there. And I mean, Mwanga's been toiling away at this level for 18 months. Nonconformist is a Caulfield Cup runner-up, and you know we're calling them the no hopers. So that says something about just how select this field really is. Can either of you envisage? Uh seeing something tomorrow that would give you a change your opinion of, of what might happen on on cox plate day and one of these horses issue the challenge to animo so we're saying do i think one could win well enough tomorrow to not just be animo's challenger but number one seed yep no i don't think that'll happen i the only way i could see that happening is if Thunderstruck absolutely tonk zaki and there's there's enough evidence there that zaki was somewhere near his best but i'd Gee, you'd have to put a right margin on him, I think, to to topple Animo, who I think has. I think people are starting to come around to the idea that Animo has a. Yeah, I think he's got a bit of bit of star power now, Animo. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think it'd take something right out of the box to to knock him off. You know, the top seed spot anyway. Going to well, we've got the might and power before the Cox Plate, so there'll be another. It's a semi-final, if you like. There'll be another preliminary final in in a couple of weeks at Caulfield. Yeah, I don't know. I think if. I've seen Zaki race Animo in the QE. He had his measure. If Zaki came out and buried Thunderstruck in Alligator Blood, I'd have to think Zaki's Cox Plate favourite. I'm Thunderstruck, just beat Zaki. Animo still holds. I think Zaki's the one who could come out and be the Cox Plate favourite. I'm not sure Thunderstruck would unless he absolutely honed them in. But, yeah, I don't know. Zaki, he does have the runs on the board. And if he... This is the best Melbourne has to offer by a country mile heading towards the Cox Plate. And if Zaki can take care of them there tomorrow, well, Animo's then got to beat him, and he hasn't beat him before. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating race anyway. Only six to go around, but um, I think it, in, in many ways it's the race of the weekend and one that most are looking forward to, and it's the last of our group ones, so that will keep us hanging all the way to tomorrow. Before we move on to some best bets and any other points of interest, just a little bit of... Uh, news hot off the press and this comes 
through from Andrew Bensley. So I think we can say that it is a creditable source, and it is that the owners have been, uh, they are delo- of very elegant, are delighted to announce that champion Australian jockey Mark Zara will ride her in the arc. Mark won the Caulfield Cup on her, of course, and it has had um, other good success on Very Elegant. So uh, that is a big get. Um, and it, I've been, Adam, you're our international expert, especially in, on the French racing, and it, I have noticed a couple of discussions that have been happening on Twitter um, over the past few days with rider engagements for the ARC. We knew that it wasn't going to be Christophe Sumion. I don't think they were going to go with Frankie de Tori, but that, ans- uh, that question has been answered. Is that a good engagement for Very Elegant? Oh, absolutely. Mark Zara is a world-class jockey. So get that horrible Frankie Dettori off and, and get a real world-class jock on there in, in Zara. That'll, um, that'll sort her out. That'll put the lengths back on for sure. Uh, well, fingers crossed she runs a big race. It's great to have some Australian representation in there. So all the best to Very Elegant Mark Zara next weekend. That uh, obviously means he'll be missing the Turnbull meeting, but it's going to be a great experience to him, uh, experience for him. So best of luck to those guys. What we need to do now is uh, tidy up with some best bets across the card. I think you're just going to give a little bit of a push for one that we've already spoken about, Simon. Is that correct up there in Sydney? Yeah, in secret for me, Brad, I think the they were 280 this morning. That's going down. But, yeah, I've, I've marked her even money, so I thought anything better than evens is a bet for me. I think she's clearly the one to beat in the feature. Anything at a, a bigger price? Um, you know, I, I wanted to have a weekly uh, segment where we could get you to knock a short price favourite like you did with Arnold last week. That was a <laughs> that was a good result. And, and bringing up that race also gives Adam an opportunity to remind you that uh, Stray was just unable <laughs> to make it into the places. <laughs> but I couldn't really find a shorty that uh, that we wanted to try and get you to knock this week. So we'll, we'll save that one. But that is something we're keen to do every week here. You, you did like one at a bigger price, though, so we'll give you in secret as your best, but what about one at uh, a b- bit of value, like you did find last week with Stray, who was who was just a little bit unfortunate not to run a place? Yeah, a bit disappointed, actually. I was keen on War Eternal, and it's been scratched this morning, so that was the one that I was sort of playing. They bet $16 early in the week, and that looked great price, but in the same race, Ellsberg's come up favourite, and didn't get his favoured roles first up. He was usually much better when he's leading. He didn't get that he gets his chance to lead this afternoon, so I can see uh, he's a much better chance of what he was first up. As good as Ellsberg is, I've just never really had much of an opinion of him, and I think Old Flame, I've marked it favourite in that race. Good win first up, the format of it's already worked out, and I think he's a really nice horse for Team Snowden. He's improved with every run he's had in Australia, including his first up win, and if he continues that upward spiral, I think he's extremely well placed down in the weights. It's not a strong Shannon Stakes and he gets every chance for Tommy Berry from that draw. So at $5, uh, I know it's not a bigger price as Stray last week, uh, but I've marked it favourite, so I thought it was probably one of the better bets on the program. Ah, well, there you go. You are knocking a favourite. So there we go. Uh, Old Flame is $5 and in secret to $2.30 chance. Where are you honing the radar, Adam? Yeah, so best for me was, was Thunderstruck. So that's, I think, you know, 280 or upwards towards 2-1 to one if, you're a, if you're a smart shopper. I think that's a, a pretty good gamble about Thunderstruck in the, the good race tomorrow, but one for a bit more fun and, and a bit more of a flyer. I, I think Count the Headlights at Sandown tomorrow in would be the fourth race, I think, race four, which is a, I'm calling it the Carbine Club trial. I think that's the the sort of way that a lot of those sort of horses will go. He's come up double figures, Count the Headlights, which on straight form might not be outrageous, but I, I reckon it's there's a little bit of a clue there that he can be a lot better than his two-year-old form, and he might have been one that just got caught in the swamp at two, but a, a top yard campaigned him like a top horse. He won really nicely on Debu and, and beat a nice filly there, actually, and that form's worked out okay. 
then he signed off with Blue Diamond size produce champagne steaks count the headlights so they they pitched him to the wolves he had excuses when he got distanced in the champagne and i thought he shaped all right from really bad spots in in both the blue diamond and the size i thought he looked like he belonged in those races so um if he belonged in in those races i think he certainly belongs in the market in a you know bit of enough well not a nothing race that's unfair but a you know just a three-year-old handicap on a on a sleepy sunday at sandown so count the headlights double figure odds i think is is potentially way too big Beautiful. Good to see that you guys are tipping in the main races as well. I'm going to uh, I'm going to head across the border for my best of the weekend. River Twain, race four in Adelaide. Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. Head back over. River Twain's been over to Adelaide twice for two victories, and I think he is primed to run a big race here. Ben uh, Ben Price takes the ride, takes two kilos off. Love the fact that I am Ben A is not taking its part in the race. So I think this is a great race yeah. for River Twain, and it's a $5 chance. So uh, I was very excited when I saw those prices post-scratching. So that's the best of the day for me. What we do need to do now, though, is have a look at the footy finals. Adam, we'll start with you because it's grand final day down here in Melbourne. Swans or Cats? Uh, well, gee, I hope the, the Swans win because, you know, Geelong, enough already. But um, I'm probably someone who realised quite a while ago that... Uh, as a football better, I make a really good racing better. So I'm I'm much, much better off playing the horses than I am the footy. But my best tip for grand final day is if you're going to a barbecue, Tasmanian Bubbles. Rightio. What about the NRL? The Eels got the job done last night. Simon, who wins tonight's prelim and who wins the grand final? Yeah, controversial win last night for the Eels. But I think Penrith, I hate Penrith, but they're just too good. I think that's why I hate them so much. But they look Latrell Mitchell needs to go to another level if they're going to beat Penrith tonight. So I think Penrith will win. And while Para have beaten Penrith already, the only team really has a good record against Penrith, I think they'll be too good in the grand final. So unfortunately, tipping the favourite. Oh, well, that's all right. If they win, uh, it does not matter. That is, uh, that's a wrap of the NRL. I am, I've got no idea really who's going to win the grand final. Uh, <laughs> if forced to tip, I'll go with the Cats. But what I do think is it'll be a close game. You can get a dollar eighty-five about either side under twenty-five points. That's the play for me. Tom Stewart to win the Norm Smith Medal if Geelong win. Callum Mills if Sydney get it. And I think Brad Close will kick the first goal. He's around about $21, so there's a little bit of value for you. That has been week two of the Racing and Sports Rundown. Thanks for joining us, guys. We're going to take a news break now, and on the other side of that will be Sean Cosgrove.